First John chapter 2 is where we're going to be today. First John chapter 2, and I'm going to be reading verses 1 through 6, reading from the New Living Translation, okay? This is, <clears throat> I think this is, this is God's word for us. First uh, John chapter 2, verses 1 through 6. My dear children, I am writing to you, I am writing this to you, so that you will not sin. And I read that and I was like, well, okay, I can use this. You know, I need some of this. You know, I don't know about you, but like, yep, I can, uh, that, that would be helpful, right? I'm writing to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father. He's Jesus Christ the one who is truly righteous. Verse 2. He himself is a sacrifice that atones for our sins. And not only our sins, but the sins of the world. And we can be sure that we know him if we obey his commandments. Pay attention to that word, obey. It shows up multiple times. Um, and we can be sure that we know him if we obey his commandments. Verse 4, if someone claims, I know God, I know God, but does not obey God's commandments, that person is a liar and is not living in, uh, and he's, he's not living in the truth. But those who obey God's word truly show how completely they love God him that is how we know we are living in him now verse six is going to be the key verse for the day it's actually where i got the title for the message today verse six says this those who say they live in god should live their lives as jesus did let me read it one more time those who say those who say they live in god they believe in god should live their lives as Jesus Christ. Let's pray as we get into God's word. Father God, I pray that for the next few minutes, you would um, speak to us intimately, personally. God, I pray that we would uh, focus on you for the next uh, 30 minutes or so. God, that we would be a sponge and learn from your word. God, I pray that you would challenge us where we need to be challenged. I pray that you would inspire us where we need to be inspired. God, I pray for me as I deliver this message. God, allow me not to mess it up. Father, untie my tongue. Allow the words to flow um, uh, with ease. And I, I just pray, Lord, as, as we dig into your word, I pray that we would just recognize the privilege that it is that we have the very word of God speaking to our lives. And so, God, we don't take it for granted. In the next few minutes, we dedicate him to you. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So the title of the message that I want to share with you today is this. How in the world do I live like Jesus? How do I, how in the world do I live like Jesus? Jesus, and I don't, I don't know what comes to mind, like when I say that, when I say Jesus, and I was actually, as I was getting ready for the message, I was thinking, what do, what mental picture do, do people have when they hear the name Jesus, and so I did a Google search, I, I just did a, like a, an image search, I just, I was just curious, I wonder what people think of Jesus, this is what came up, so these are all the pictures that, you know, like people think of when they think of 
Jesus, okay? The guy on the top right, that kind of scared me a little bit. I was like, okay, uh, that's not the, you know, but generally speaking, right, most, most of us, or some of us, I don't know if I should say most of us, we think when, when we think the word Jesus, we think middle-aged guy, white, you know, long hair, full beard, with a robe, okay? And so as I was asking this question, I was thinking, do I need to go back 2,000 years into the past to live like Jesus? Do I, need to, do I need to grow out my hair, okay? Like, do I need to grow out my beard? Which is, it would be sad. It would be kind of shocking to you guys. If we imagine if one day I come, I come to church with a long hair. You'd be like, who is that guy, right? But is that, is that what that means? Like, what, what do I have to do to, to be like Christ? Do I need to dress like him? Do I need to look like him? And the answer is absolutely not. Of course not. And so today, what I want to do for a few minutes is I want to I share with you what becoming like Christ does not mean. Because you can choose one of a thousand churches in Tyler and Texas or anywhere in the United States, as a matter of fact, and pretty much everybody's going to tell you something different. Everybody's going to say, we can get rid of the picture, guys. Uh, everybody's going to say something different. And they're going to tell you something like it's at times it can actually be a little bit confusing if you if you know what i'm talking about i i, I got a, a voice text uh, earlier this this morning from someone that um uh just was just sharing this very thought that the church where she grew up basically the things that she learned were so different than the things that she's learning from us and so i want us to look at scripture and figure out okay what does it look like to become like christ to be like jesus and so three points on what becoming like Christ does not mean, all right? So number one, becoming like Christ does not mean that you become a God. Becoming like Christ does not mean that you become a God. And I want to be super clear on this. You will never become God. You'll never become a God, all right? I, I know that there's a lot of religions out there that teach this. There are some pretty, pretty famous thoughts, beliefs that say, if you are good enough, okay, if your good works at the end of your life outweigh your bad works, then somehow you're gonna attain some sort of, some sort of uh, God-like status, okay? Well, the Bible does not teach that. I mean, I have read the Bible cover to cover for years. Uh, not a single verse in the Bible does it, does it teach that. As a matter of fact, one of the oldest lies from the devil, from, from Satan, was, was trying to manipulate Adam and Eve into this, this belief. Uh, in Genesis 3, 5, look at it. It says, for God, watch this, watch this. This is Satan speaking, tempting Adam and Eve, okay? So here's what the devil says. For God knows... Then when you eat of it, when you eat of the fruit, okay, your eyes will be open and you will be, help me out, church, and you will be as God, as gods. You'll know good and evil. That, folks, is a lie straight from hell. God does not want you to be a God. Now, he wants you to be godly. That's different. He wants you to become more and more like Christ. It's, it's kind of like this. Let me kind of illustrate it for you. Um, have you ever heard the phrase, like father, like, help me finish it. 
like father, like son. Yeah, you got it. Okay. So, so like father, like son. So I, um, parents love to hear, like we have three kids and um, two daughters, one son. And we love it when, when somebody looks at our kids and they say, man, you know, she smiles like you or he, you know, he has your eyes or they, you know, and they, they say, you know, like last, I think it was last week or maybe a couple of weeks ago. I can't remember how long it's been. Um, I posted something. It was Andrew's birthday, and I put a picture of him. He wanted to go to Chile's, so we went and we took him to Chile's. And um, my dad reminded me that when I was in college, I used to love Chile's, and so I put a picture of me with a bunch of hair. You can go look at it. And um, and somebody said after they saw the picture, I think it was last Sunday, they said, "Oh, you know, your kids, you know, your son, he just looks just like you." And I was like, oh, man, I'm sorry for his own sake. I hope they like father, like son, except for this baby right here, you know, because I feel bad for him, you know. It's okay. We can laugh. You can make fun of my, my boldness. You know, it's all good. Um, but like father, like son, right? Most parents, generally speaking, they love it when their children resemble their image, when they bear their image. In fact, if you study scripture, you know that when God created us, he created us in his own image, right? And so he absolutely loves it when you and I are like him. Uh, Romans 8, 29 says it like this, for God knew his people in advance. Now, I love this because it's talking, it's speaking to God's sovereignty, right? Only God can do that. I, don't, I can't explain it, but I believe it by faith. God knew his people ahead of time. In advance, he knew you. Before you were even born, he knew you. And he says this. He says, and he chose you, he chose them, his people, to become a God. Is that what it says? No, no, no. It says, he chose you to become what? Like his son. Like his son. So when you go back to 1 John, and, and God says in verse 1 that we have an advocate, that Jesus is our advocate. That, what that means is that he's our defender. Okay, like when we sin, like God the Father does not look at us with in that in that in that state of sin. Jesus Christ died for us. The Bible says the wages of sin is death, right? So God, Jesus Christ died for us, and on the cross, basically, He says, "I'm going to. I'm, I'll make you a deal." Okay, I will die for you. I will pay for the penalty that you're supposed to pay. The wages of of sin is death and in exchange I'm going to give you eternal life and what that means is that when you stand before the father Jesus defends your place and you take on Christ's righteousness that's actually what happens but I don't want you to miss the point and that's this the verse says that Jesus is the only one who's truly righteous who's truly righteous. And so he's the only one that can actually connect a sinful man with a holy God. Nobody else can do that. And so how do I live like Christ? How do I live like, like he is God in the flesh, right? If you wanna know how to do life Look at, look at his life. You want to know how to deal with your marriage? Like you don't know what to do, you're stressed out? Look at how Jesus dealt with, with relationships. You want to know how to deal with stress? Study his life. And so, becoming like Christ does not mean that you 
become a god only there's only one god this is this is not um, this is all over scripture ephesians 4 it says we're called to one hope and there is one lord and one father and one god who's of, of all and who is over all and through all and in all in that passage ephesians 4 verses 4 through 6 you have the, the word one seven times it's a declaration that God is saying there's only one. It's what Moses, it's what God tells Moses, right? Remember the first commandment? What was the first commandment? You shall have no other gods before me. So becoming like Christ does not mean, number one, that you become a God. Number two, does not mean that you become a mindless clone. This is important. I want you to hear this. Becoming like Christ does not mean that you become a mindless clone. Now, if you are new to the faith, if you've... Um, if you have questions, maybe you're not, maybe you're like, ah, I'm, not, I'm not really sure. I'm asking questions, not really sure what, where I stand. This is extremely important for you to understand. And the, 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 the reason why is because sadly, a lot of churches, we've, um, we've made it hard on people. A lot of churches, once you become a, a Jesus follower, they, they make you feel like you have to, you have to fit their mold, Okay, you have to, all of a sudden, you give, you give your life to Christ, and you, you have to dress like they dress. You have to, you have to uh, act in a particular way. You know, they'll tell you, you can watch this movie, but you can't watch that movie. And if you're like me, like, I remember 20 plus years ago, you know, I, I was new to the faith, and I'm like, okay, which one is it? Because it was kind of confusing. And when you're in the business for as long as I've been, what you recognize is that a lot, the rules of yesterday, they're not the same rules of today. I went to a really strict school. Went to a school that um, essentially, um, you know, ladies had to wear, they could not wear jeans. You know, like you had, they had so many, like we could not watch movies. You know, like it was one of those very, very, very strict fundamental um, school. And, and to me, what's funny is that the rules that they had 20 years ago when I went to school have totally changed with the rules that they have nowadays. And so if you're new to the faith or you're kind of exploring, you're asking questions, you need to understand that God created you with a certain personality. And it is okay to have that personality. He doesn't want you to turn into a mindless clone. Uh, one of the things that I, I love about our church is that there's freedom of, of expression. You know, God looks at, at us and he says, hey, I don't, I don't think like you do. I don't, um, you know, man looks at the outward appearance. I look at the heart. And so he tells us becoming like Christ does not mean that you have to lose your personality. Like God created you unique. You know, you look at your thumbprint, right? There's like what? 7.8 billion people on planet Earth, okay? To me, like that doesn't look like a God that wants, us, that wants all of us to behave and to look exactly the same way. And one of the things that I love about LifePoint is that, and I'm not gonna say any names, but um, there are people on our worship team that sometimes um, they will dress very differently than the way I dress. And I love it, okay? I, I love it when I look out and I see someone that, you know, like we have someone on, and you probably know, and, you know I don't even have to say names, but there's someone that from time to time he, he'll wear a bow tie. And I absolutely love it. You know, there's times when you may wear a hat, and that's perfectly fine. You know, I, I, and I guess I'm a recovering Baptist or something. I worked at <laughs> the first church that I worked at, 
uh, I had to wear a suit and tie. And for six years, it's like, man, you know, I don't mind what you wear to church as long as you wear something, okay? Like if you're wearing something, thumbs up, we're good, you know? But don't make me wear what you like, right? And so we have a God who wants you to lean in to that, that personality that he's given you. Bible says that you're fearfully and wonderfully made. You have different skills, different personalities, different desires. You're his handiwork. In other words, you're his masterpiece. What that means in the language there, it means that you're one of a kind. And this is true in so many areas of life. If you look at in the field of music, you, um, if you think of your top music artists, the ones that you listen to on repeat, right? Like, who, like they may have, they may it may be the same music, like the same type of music, but they, each one of them has their own voice. They, they have their own uh, style a little bit, like their way they express, their, their own message, their own sound. Um, you look in the field of art, it's the same way. In the field of sports, you think of the, like the, the, the best, if you're into sports, this will, this will help. Um, if you look at the top two basketball players or, or you can say football or soccer whatever think of the the two greatest players you know they may be the best of the best but at the end of the day they're not exactly the same they have different skills and so becoming like christ is about transforming your character it's about transforming your mind transforming your heart and your values not necessarily transforming your personality Okay, uh, and the proof in that, if you, um, if you look at the four gospel writers, it's really interesting, right? You have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, four different guys telling the same story, right? They're telling the story of Jesus. It's the exact same story, each one of them. But what you look at, it's, it's, it's really interesting. God uses their personality. Did you know that? Like God used, like Matthew, um, you know, he knew a lot about the Old Testament. He knew a lot. He was a Jew that knew a lot about tradition. So the Gospel of Matthew will give you more quotes from the Old Testament than any other, any other uh, of the Gospel writers. Uh, you look at uh, Luke, for example, the Gospel of Luke. He was a doctor. So Luke, man of detail, right? If you're going to be a doctor, you've got you to pay attention to details. The Gospel of Luke gave, gave says more names, more details about names, places, dates, than the other, the, the other three writers combined. And so, what's my point? Here's my point. Becoming like Christ, number one, does not mean that you become a God. There's only one God. Number two, it does not mean that you become a mindless clone Keep your personality. That's the way that God's created you. And number three, becoming like Christ does not mean that your life becomes easier. Does not mean that your life becomes easier. Maybe if you've heard that before, I'm so sorry. <laughs> and I'm serious. I'm serious. Like, like if you've heard, because there's a lot, a lot of junk out there um, and not to stereotype people on TV, but I can tell you more than once I've listened to preachers, evangelists on TV, that they're promising you health and wealth if you do something. You know, you give a thousand bucks and the Lord is going to bless you tenfold and your life is going to be so much better. You know, and, and I'm so sorry to tell you, that's, that's nowhere in the Bible. Okay? Becoming more like Christ 
does not mean that your life is automatically gonna get easier. Does not mean that you're gonna have perfect health or a comfortable lifestyle or constant happiness or like your dreams are gonna be fulfilled. Like, yeah, yeah, if I give my life to the Lord, if I become a Jesus follower, all of my prayers are gonna be answered. Not necessarily. Not necessarily. And so you're not gonna have instant relief from your problems. You're not gonna have instant gratification, which is what a lot of times we want, right? You know, it does not immune you from you know, going through difficult relationships. It does not you know, prevent you from uh, a breakthrough or a break up, excuse me. And so actually when you look at scripture, it's actually the opposite. Let me share with you what Peter says. First Peter 4 and 12, he says, he says, dear friends, I feel like if you, if you don't get anything else, I hope you get this from the message. Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you're going through as if something strange were happening to you. God's looking at you this morning and he's saying, hey, listen, 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 do not be surprised just because you are here in, in church today, just because you've read your Bible and you've said your prayers does not automatically gonna fix everything in your life. And so don't be surprised by the fiery trials that you're facing. It's part of life. It's, it's why we call this planet Earth, right? It's not heaven. You're not there yet. And so don't be surprised as if it's like something strange that's happening, right? Now, you may look at me and you may say, then then. Why become a believer? Why give my life to Christ? If, it's, if I'm going to have the same struggles, if the storms of life are still going to be there, then what's the point? And, I, and I, what I would say, if I was talking to you, if we were doing lunch or whatever, what I would say is it is way better to face those storms as a believer than a non-believer. Because in those moments when you don't know what to do, God gives you peace. And I can tell you, I can tell you from personal experience, when I, there are certain storms that I've gone through in life, and I didn't know how I was going through them. All I knew is that God was protecting my mind. And I know there are people that have gone through cancer, they've gone through difficult, difficult relational struggles that you would think, how in the world are they getting through this? And it's the peace of God. The Bible says that it's, it passes all understanding. In other words, it, you, know, you can't put logic to it. Like I'm a very um, analytical kind of guy. And so when, when two plus two, like it doesn't quite, like, like if it doesn't make sense, like it, how, how is that possible? In fact, I'm, I'm talking to somebody right now and I've, I'm asking myself, how are you making it through this right now? Well, it's the peace of God. He gives you grace. He gives you abundant grace. And so, like, okay, like then if I go through these difficulties, what's the point of being a believer? Well, God gives you grace. He gives you peace, peace that passes all understanding. He, he gives you hope for tomorrow. He gives you strength for today. He provides forgiveness so that when you mess up, you don't have to have the fear and the guilt and the shame that comes. Man, I cannot tell you how many times I've screwed up in my life. If I didn't have forgiveness in my life, man, I would be in the pit. Like, every day, I'm thankful that we can hang on to something called redemption. Now, if we only had Scripture, right? Like, take everything else away. It would still be worth it to be a Jesus follower. 
you look at the, the wisdom and the advice, timeless advice that you receive. Your marriage is in trouble? Get into God's word. You have questions about how to deal with your finances? Read, read the book of Proverbs. You want to know how to endure suffering? Man, get into the word. Read First Peter. Peter went through massive suffering. And so that alone, the, the, you, you can't go to Walmart and just pick up a, a bunch of these things up and then, you know, I'm going home with a little bit of wisdom and a little bit, no, no, no. And so if that alone was the thing that we could get, it's enough. Becoming like Christ does not mean that you become a God does not mean that you become a mindless clone and it does not mean that your life all of a sudden is going to be easier so what what then right is the question what what does becoming like christ look like i'm kind of going to sum it up in, in this this way becoming like christ essentially is a combination okay of god doing his part and you doing your part how do you become more like jesus God's going to do his part. You're going to do your part. Let's look at the verse one more time. I'm, I'm almost done. Verse five, it says this, but those, and the key word is, is the next word, and those who what? Obey God's word truly show how completely they love him. Those who obey God's word truly show how completely they love him. That is how we know we're living in him. So, uh, Lee and I, we got married about 22 years ago in June. June 30th will be 22 years, okay? When I married her, my whole life changed, dramatically changed, okay? Everything about my life changed. The, 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 how I spend my time changed, how I spend my money changed, the plans of the future Change like every single area of my life was completely changed when we got married. That is the way that it should be with you. If you're if if you have a relationship with the Lord, that relationship that you have with God, okay, fundamentally changes everything else. Every other relationship with the people you work with, with your family, with your siblings, with the way you deal with your kids, the way you deal with your boss, every area of your life should fundamentally change because of that primary decision. And so you play a part. Christ should be your all in all, like we sang earlier. And what that means is that you're gonna, you're gonna do things a little bit different because you know that your life on this earth is just very temporary. And so you're going to invest in eternity. Before Christ, forget it. It's all about me. It's all about what I, what I want and what I need right now. After Christ, all of a sudden you're like, okay, Lord, you put me on this earth and there's a purpose for me. There's a purpose that goes beyond me. There's a purpose that will carry on after I'm buried right there's a purpose and so you invest whether it's the money that you give to a church or a, a gospel believing place whether it's the the time that you invest for ministry whether it's i mean you you call it whatever it is but you live with an eternal you you have an eternal perspective now before christ you're always thinking about you right like oh what's next what's next what's next and it's always all about me you're thinking about like think about it remember Remember what it used to be like when you were in high school, you know? Remember the, the challenges of, of, of going through high school and all of that? 
you know, you're a, let's say you're a senior in high school. What are you thinking about? Oh, man, am I going to get the grades? Are my SAT scores going to get me through? Like, am I going to get into school? And then you get in school if you did college, and you're thinking, you know, uh, you're graduating, and you're like, okay, what's next? Right? And it's like, am I, how am I going to do in the interview? Am I going to go down this, this career path? Am I going to go down that path? And it, throughout life, we're always thinking about, okay, what's next? What's next? What's coming up? Right? You, you find that special one, and now you're thinking, oh, I got to save for the ring, and then I got I to gotta plan the wedding, and then the honeymoon, and then the kids come along, you know, and you're like, oh, no, no, I got to save for them for college and help them through. And then it's like from, from every step of the way, you're always thinking about what's next. Like, what am I going to do next? To the point that it's like retirement is, is, you know, facing you, and you're like, okay, like, did I save enough? Am I going to be able to retire? And then you get to that stage and you're now concerned about the grandkids. And it's a vicious cycle. And so what I encourage you to do is instead of asking what's next in my life, ask, Lord, what would you have for me? That's how you play a part. Lord, what do you have for me? Because if I can be honest with you, not everything in life is going to be fun and games. Not everything in your marriage is going to be fun and games. Not everything in your career is going to be fun and games. Not everything that you do in life, you know, the way you deal with your kids is going to happen the way that you want it to happen. There are times when you will have to step up and make some sacrifices. The Bible says in Galatians, and if there's somebody that knows what I'm talking about, it's definitely Paul. He says this, Galatians 2.20. He says, I've been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live I want you to think of those words. Paul is writing from a prison. And he's saying, I want, hey folks, I want you to know this life that I'm living is not my own. I'm living this life by faith, he says. From time to time, it's going to take a little bit of sacrifice. And so you play a part in becoming more like Christ. But the good news as we close today is that God also plays a part you're not alone and I, I love that in verse 5 if we can if we, or actually 2 Corinthians three eighteen, if we can put it up I love that the Bible says as the spirit of the Lord works within us this is a continual process this is not instantaneous right as the Spirit of the Lord works within us, we become more and more like Him to reflect His glory even more. I love the fact that, yeah, 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 I play a part, you play a part, but that's not the end of the story. God also plays a part, and He's working in you. He's working on your behalf. Like, God doesn't say, okay, these are the rules of the game. You're on your own. See you later. I know you're never going to be able to accomplish everything the way I want. I know you're not going to be able to accomplish perfection. We'll see you. Hope you make it. No, he says, I'm going to walk with you every step of the way. You play a part. I play a part, he says. Philippians 2.13, for God is working in you. Giving you, I love this, giving you the desire to obey him. God gives you the desire to obey Him. 
But I'm glad it's not just desire that he gives us. What else does he give us? Power. Power to do what pleases him. I'll close with this. Um, so I think it was about 10 years ago, maybe longer. We were living in North Carolina, and we had a big yard. It was like, uh, like 1.7 acres. And you guys know me. I don't like yard work. I hate it. Um, and it was like when we were buying the house, I was like, uh, Leah fell in love with the house, you know. And I'm like, the only thing I could think about was not how much it cost, was not, the, you know, what it looked like or anything. The only thing I could think about was it was 1.7 acres that I had to mow. And I'm like, oh, why does it have to be this one, you know. And so we ended up getting it. And uh, I remember looking into, like, the biggest riding mower that I could find, okay? Like, I did the research, found the biggest. This thing had a 54-inch deck, okay? Other than that, the next step up was, would be a tractor, you know? And uh, so it's the biggest thing that I could afford that I could buy. And so we bought this thing, you know, it had, like, I don't know, it was, like, super powerful. I don't remember how many horsepower it had, but it was, like, it would mow through anything. I was like, yes. You know, I'm going to mow my yard in 23 minutes, you know, like it should be. And um, so I go out, you know, mow the first time, and it's good. It's everything looking good. The second time I go out, it was used. It was a used mower. It only, um, you know, couldn't afford a brand new one. And um, so second time I'm mowing, and all of a sudden it stops working. And I'm like, oh, no. You know, and I, I, I went, like, it was a, a moment of, of panic. You know, I go inside the house, honey, the mower is not working. You know, and I'm thinking, you know, we should have bought a new newer mower with warranty and all of that. And I was like, I've checked everything. I've looked at the, the blades and nothing is in there. And I've looked at the battery and it was kind of messy, you know, because it, it had been outside for a while. And I was like, I've looked at everything. It looks fine, you know. The thing only had nine hours but no warranty. And I was like, all this money that we spent on this stupid mower and it's not working. You know what was wrong with it? I forgot to fill it up with fuel. <laughs> so it went, you know, first time I mowed it, it was good. Second time, it only went so far. Needed a little bit of gas. I tell you that to say this, with head bowed and eyes closed, I want to ask you this question. How about you? Are you running on empty, without fuel, without the power of Christ in your life? My encouragement to you today is don't do life without His power. Becoming like Christ, I know there's a lot of confusion out there. There shouldn't be, because the Bible is clear. Becoming like Christ does not mean that you become a God some supernatural human being. No, 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 no. Becoming like Christ does not mean that you, that does not mean that you become a mindless clone. Keep your personality. God created you the way he's created you for, for good. You're a force for good. Becoming like Christ does not mean that your life all of a sudden is going to become easier. What it does mean is that you play a part, and at times you have to pick up your cross. At times it's not going to be easy. At times you're going to have to go the extra mile. At times you're going to have to get on your knees. At times you're not going to, you're going to have to turn the other cheek. At times you're, you're going you're gonna to have to be different than the way the world is going. So you play, you get to play a part. 
But the, the thing that encouraged me most is that God also plays a part. For He is working in you, giving you the desire to obey Him. Thank you, God. And I hope that today you would leave this place saying, God, what desires are you putting in my heart, God? I want to be in tune with your spirit. I want to know what it is that you're telling me. Now, I'm thankful that He doesn't just leave it at desire. He also gives you the power to do what pleases Him. So your marriage is not over. Your situation at work, that addiction, that challenge that you're, that you're dealing with, don't surrender just yet. It's not over until He says it's over. And so the question that I have for you is, what decisions do you need to make today to become a little bit more like Jesus? like are there and I don't want to play the Holy Spirit like God's going to tell you I don't need to tell you but it, like it, do you need to love others you have, do you need to show more empathy do, do you need to do you need to forgive do you need to kind of rearrange your priorities what, what is God telling you do you need to honor him in your finances or in your relationships? God, help us. Help us to become more like you. God, thank you. Thank you that we are unique, fearfully and wonderfully made. God, put us in the game. We want to play our part. But God, never so far away from you without recognizing that you are sovereign of our lives. So, God, we ask you, help us to obey you.